In today's episode, I chatted with Janae Brown to talk branding, social media, and events. Janae is the founder of Brown to Perfection, a marketing agency that specializes in helping brands and artists become the best version of themselves with traditional and digital marketing. So let's get right into this episode. Let's start right there with the kind of foundation, letting people know a little bit of who you are. So you've been running your agency for, you'd said seven years now. Congratulations. Thank you so Um, much. If you wouldn't mind just kind of walking through what the services are that you are Mm -hmm. A plus in and providing clients so that when we kind of build off of that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Brand Perfection Agency, I like to call us an impact company first, right? Like, can we be impactful? Um, And that's how we approach marketing, very heavy on authenticity. And what that means is basically we find out what's great about the client or the individual and we build off that, right? We maximize it. Um, So there is no taking something and turning into something entirely different because that's pretty hard to sustain. We dig for like, what is that golden thing? And then we figure out who the target audience is and how to get you to them. Um, In terms of services, well, let me at least first say like what kind of clients we serve right now. Uh, We work with companies, whether it be Fortune 500s, large brands. We work with tech startups um, and we also work heavily in entertainment. So that would be entertainment companies as a whole. This would be artists. Um, At this point, most of the artists we work with are signed at least to some sort of distribution deal, if not a full on um, major deal. And with artists and things, obviously, it's very rollout heavy. So releasing a single, releasing an album or EP, releasing a video, putting on a release event, you know, kind of walking them through from when you first announce or you first decide you want to put out a project to the project coming out and then post rollout too, right? How do we keep the life of this going? So that could be anything from setting up interviews for them. It could be, like I said, putting on full-fledged events, activation, things for their fans cover art, photo shoots, what is the overall tone and brand of this project. Depending on how early we jump in, we might be doing some stuff on the music side. It really just depends. (laughs) Um, But that's a lot of fun. And then for other companies that I mentioned, so like a Fortune 500, for example, um, we're probably doing like an influencer campaign or some sort of partnership. I I like to call us the authentic bridge between corporate and culture. Um, So a lot of companies come to us because we understand their ROI and bottom line, but we also understand how to approach cultural aspects and like how to make sure that things are being represented properly um, and also that the company is also investing in the space of the audience that they want to reach and not just kind of selling, taking things of that nature. We kind of create a holistic approach. Um, And so, like I said, that could be brand partnerships, could be influencer campaign, it could be social media management or social media strategy, it could be overall brand strategy, it could be a launch campaign. Um, It really just depends. And the same thing would go with a lot of the tech startups that we work with. Um, But most of the companies that we work with, there is some sort of, um, there's some sort of crossover into the lands of culture, into the lands of entertainment. Even if we're working with a nonprofit, like that could be something cultural. Like we we did some stuff with um this nonprofit called Educators for Excellence, powered by the Zuckerberg Foundation. And our job was to create a critical race theory campaign. And so we created that. We pulled some prominent celebrities and, you know, faces and we planned this whole thing. And then we had a social rollout. And, you know, so it really just depends on the project. I like to have a lot of fun. 
Um, so again, we like to take on projects that we know one, we can be impactful in, and also we're going to like blow it out the water creatively. Um, so that's us in a very long, short <laughs> nutshell. When, so when, when you're managing, um, mm-hmm. relationships with a, a, an individual creator or a musician or an artist compared to a B2B company, right. obviously there's, there's a lot of differences there and I'm sure mm-hmm. you, you kind of already covered a little bit of that. But what are some of the similarities between branding, between a company yeah. and a person, a creator? Um, definitely similarity is who are we talking to, which is always my first thing. I think a lot of times clients think that they need all these other sets and lists of bells and whistles and checklists, but like we don't even know who we're talking to. So I'm always kind of like hard stop. Who are we even trying to reach? Before we decide how we're going to reach people, who are we trying to reach? It's like picking up the phone and not having the number to dial. It's like, we're just sitting on the phone. We got the phone. We got what we need to say, but we don't have any way to reach the audience. And so I find that to be a very, a huge similarity there. Um, I think essentially when it comes to brands and branding, everybody's worried about the same thing. Are we doing enough to reach who we want to reach? We want to grow, right? That's a, obviously a similarity. Everyone who's on the internet is not just there to be there, right? Most people, they want to grow, they want to sell. Um, It's all kind of the same. Uh, I would say how it's different is just the channels and maybe the parameters. Like there's things that I can do with artists that I can't really do per se with a B2B company, depending on the company though. I I love the companies that are super open and are like, let's get creative as possible because we want to stand out. But then there's obviously like if you're dealing with a company like, let's say when we did a, a influencer campaign with Procter & Gamble, South Africa, it's like it's still Procter & Gamble. So, you know, there's still certain parameters. But I will say they were very flexible and very open to our ideas for that campaign um, with Venus Gillette that we, we did. It was, it was super awesome. Um, but again, it's just kind of the approach and maybe the length also. Now, with artists and labels, stuff does take longer than it needs to, in my opinion. But in corporate, things can take a really long time. Like, you could be working on a campaign for, like, four or five months before you even begin to get the green light to do what you have to do to kick off. And so I would say that's, like, a major difference also. Um, And then I think just... With artists, the bottom line is usually, does the artist want to do this thing, right? Is the artist comfortable with whatever this plan is? I think with a company, there's a lot more hands in the decision-making. And so sometimes it's a little easier to get to a decision versus with artists. It's like I have to really approach it very personally, um, which I like. Um, I'm very hands-on. In general, with my clients, but definitely with artist clients, um, I like to build a relationship with them, too, so that they can trust me. If they don't trust anyone else in this process, they got to trust me Um, and know that, like, I'm not going to have them do anything that's too far out of what they're comfortable with, too far outside of their brand. You know, I'm never going to have them do something just to do it. I'm always going to explain, like, this is why we're doing this. Like, you know, and that's usually why my artist clients want to (laughs) stay. Because... They're like, they feel um, feel protected, feel comfortable, feel understood, which I think is a big part of, of the success in that, in that kind of area. So it's something that um, I take a lot of pride in. I think a, one common misconception around branding, when you hear that word, a lot of 
companies especially will attribute that to things that don't necessarily bring in revenue, which isn't, yeah. isn't true. You know, they don't think of running ads or creating content or doing all these normal marketing activities as branding. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that and kind of where you sit on, on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it all works together, right? I think a lot of times people think branding, they think logos, colors, tone voice and that's a big part of this too but then what um in order to establish the brand you have to actively be brand <laughs> like you have to actively be working the kind of cornerstone things that you put in place there, there's no other way to establish it because otherwise it looks pretty but then again who sees it probably no one or at least not the people you want to see it or at least not the amounts you want them to see it in um, nothing worse than a super pretty brand that hasn't figured out how to tap into their audience. To me, then the brand is not established. It exists, but it's not established. Um, people and the whole point of branding yourself is to stand out in the market enough so that your ideal consumer, customer, whatever you want to call them, community, it's so that you can attract their attention. The whole point of branding yourself is to stand out in the market, right? And to attract your target audience, consumer, customer, community, et cetera. The, the issue is, though, if people buy from people they like, they like people they can trust, right? Um, in order to achieve that, you have to be consistently bringing them value. And what is that value? underneath the brand umbrella. That's a part of the brand. It's what do we talk about? What do we address? What do we provide? How, what value do we provide consistently to our customer? That's the whole point of being on social outside of selling. But the thing is, if you only sell, 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 I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't really hit the same as the kids would say, right? It's like, you want to actually also provide other things that are interesting that, again, the consumer appreciates and values and they keep coming back. Um, and that's how you really establish their brand loyalty. I don't think in today's world it's as simple as having a good product. Um, you have to also be able to cut through the noise because everyone has a smartphone, mostly, the large majority of the world has a smartphone and access to some sort of internet, right? Which means anybody can get on here and do anything. And so again, if you have a great product, wouldn't you want to present it in the best way possible to make it be seen as much as possible? Um, and so I think that's where, for me, that conversation takes a turn. One thing I'd like to, you kind of mentioned earlier how somebody can have a brand technically, but maybe it's not actually established. It, it doesn't mean much. Do you have like checklist items in mind for when do I feel like the brand is actually established? Like, what are the things that have to be in place for that to be true? Yeah, I think um, definitely an actively engaged social media. If that's your your um, if that's your transportation system to your customer, which for most people right now it is outside of ads, and you know, depending on the type of company, you may be doing some more traditional marketing things, but most brands are on the internet. This is how we're getting by, right? Um, the internet ads on the internet. So with that being said, I think when you have a consistent, like it's just consistency, like the look is consistent, the tone is consistent, the engagement that you get from the audience is consistent, and then it matches whatever your ROI is. For some people, that's sales. 
for other people that may it may be something else that's not so direct. Um, but when you see that ROI changing consistently and you're consistently on an uptick, I think that's when you know the brand is established. Um, I think also when you can, I think the brand's also established if you're able to take a step back and nothing changes. And when you come back and they're like, yes, you're back. Oh my goodness. You know, I think that's how you know as well. Um, an easy way to know that your brand is not as established as you think is take a break and come back. If it's slow uptick, you probably weren't that set to begin with. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like going to the gym, right? Someone who's in the gym every day for a year and they take a week off, they may feel a little sluggish, but it's not going to be too much of a change. Now, if you only go to the gym two times a week for three months, then you stop for six months, you come back, start from scratch. Like, you don't have it. It's not, it's not set. It's not established. Your fitness regimen is not established. And I say this from experience um, on the fitness side, right? And so I think that's kind of it. I, I don't, Really view it as a checklist. Like, I think obviously there are things you want to have in order um, and kind of set, but I think every brand is also kind of different. So I, I, I think there are standard things, like I said, like kind of voice, tone, visual, aesthetic. Um, you want to have your brand personas if it's that type of brand. So what type of customer, if we're talking artists, what type of fans, what are these different profiles of people? Um, right. You want to know, OK, how are we going to reach them? So not just, OK, we're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. But what are we doing on each channel? Right. And what's our content buckets like? Are we doing? And then for some people, it goes beyond social media. Maybe there's newsletters. Maybe there's, you know, discord. Maybe there's different other communities and things. Are we doing visual content? Are we dropping a blog every month? Are we dropping a, um, you know, informational infographics? every day, every three, like, you know, what does that look like as well? Um, and then again, I think heavy, heavy on the target audience, like knowing who it is you're trying to reach and then knowing where they go to find stuff that they like. Um, because it's not enough to know the audience. You also have to know what makes them tick. So, you know, if we're on Instagram, but our audience is on LinkedIn, hey, <laughs> we're probably not doing this right, right? Um, but in order to know that, you have to actually do research. And then there's a lot of trial and error that a lot of, I think, brands aren't willing to put in when it comes to digital marketing, social. You have to try it a few times to even see. Like, you have to try things for at least 90 days um, to see. That's minimum for me. Like, 90 days to see if something's working or not working. A lot of brands give up very quickly. They're like, oh, this isn't working. Or they just revert back to something that kind of worked. They're like, well, this at least was halfway working. But it's all trial and error. And the brands that you see killing it, like they had to take risks um, and until so they figured it out. And so visual storytelling is obviously huge right now um, for any brand, anyone. Like you need to have something visual going on. But that's a prime example of brands kind of being like, eh. Is this something we're going to invest in? And I'm like, I think over, I don't remember statistics right now, but I think over 80% of consumers are like consuming on video. So I was like, if you don't have anything video, like you could have an AI video created at least, but have something, right? Something to represent the brand, I think, at this point. Um, and so I guess that's kind of my makeshift checklist, but 
to kind of form your own checklist outside of the basics, I think would have to do with like, what's your, you know, what are your KPIs? Like what to you is an indicator that you guys are on the right track? I, I want to get your thoughts on events as kind of a, how, how they tie into this broader brand and social strategy. Cause I yes. know that you, you have run events mes- in different ways. I, I just would love to hear your experience in doing that and how you feel yeah. all that ties in. Um, events to me are arguably one of the most important parts of a marketing strategy. I just think it's like the icing on the cake. It's that final, like, this was great. Like, it's like, you know how some people have like coffee with dessert? I hate coffee, but you know, it's like that topper. It's like, ooh, this is amazing. All right, everybody. Good night. (laughs) Right? Like, I think events are amazing because they bring the brand to life. They take things off of a screen, off of a page, off of, you know, it takes like the products and it brings it to life. Like you can create an entire experience wonderland of like post-it, like a post-it event could be incredible, right? Like you literally can, and I think it touches the consumer in a very different way. I also think that after going through the pandemic, I think people do value in-person interactions a lot more. I also think people are very selective about where they go as well. Um, So it's a big opportunity to really hone in on what makes the brand special. Excuse me. And and not just like me hammering into your social media, just a targeted space. Um, I love Experiential. I think that so many more brands should be investing in it. Um, It's one of our favorite things as a company. I think we really shine in the Experiential realm. And it can make a big difference for a brand. I, I think like um, on the artist side, especially, I think we've been we've been pretty consistent with those. But one thing I, I like is like, for example, R&B star Coco Jones, she's an artist who signed a Def Jam. Um, when they came to us, they she was putting out her debut EP, right? And she wanted to do something fun in Atlanta, very day party-ish get, you know, brunch-ish, get, you know, the who's who of Atlanta in the room. I remember talking to the artist like a couple of days before and I don't know, she seemed kind of like, are people going to come out? Like, and I was like, oh, watch this. <laughs> that was like, oh, don't worry about that. And the room was flooded, like ceiling to floor, wall to wall. Like we could barely get her into the venue. That's how excited people were for her. And so it wasn't just like, the event, it was also how the event was covered. Like we got picked up by so many blogs. We did have the right people in the room. People were upset they couldn't get into their room. Like you create kind of this pandemonium. And then we tailored the event very much to her, to her marketing team in-house, the label, their strategy for the project. Like we made sure the core elements were very specific, tailored to her, the menu, the drink menu, everything. Like who we chose as talent, DJs, hosts, like it all really came together. And I think in a combination with us, and it was so close to release as well. So strategic, right? Like between what we were able to put together and what her label was able to do, she went number one. Debut EP, R&B chart, number one, that doesn't happen a lot of times. And she's still on fire right now, right? And so I think, again, when you're first talking to a brand um, in general, you're like, oh, let's do an event. And they're kind of like, okay, we're going to spend all this money. And I'm like, but the dividends that happen beyond the event is crazy. 
to me, an event is way more powerful than the best ads plan, the best pre-social media strategy. Like it really brings it all to life in a way that it just it's just different. Um, and I say that as someone who loves social strategy, right? But I, I love more than that. I love bringing people together in a room. I think there's nothing like it. Um, and marketing is really about people. And so if you can pull on their heartstrings in a real way and a sea of just digital, mostly for the most brands, I think you, you've taken it up a notch. And like, I think the people that were in the room, I think the people that didn't make it into the room, the people that were just watching on through, through social media, I still see them talking about her, right? I still see them excited when she drops something, when she does something. So that's where I fall with events. I, I think I could go on all day, but I won't. But I think. I think that events are really the hidden, the the hidden weapon of marketing. Like experiential is that girl. I love it. I love it. Um, la- last question here, rapid fire, really quick. Yeah. Hot takes on the future of social media in particular. As somebody that's Ew. built, you built your own audience. You've helped other people grow an audience. Yeah. What's the one hot take that you think um will will happen in the future of social? Yeah, so I think um, one, okay, I got two. One hot take is kind of to piggyback off of what I just said. I think that we're entering a hybrid world um, where the brands that are ultimately extremely successful will have a powerful online presence, but one that translates into real life. If you can not just have views, but you can fill a room, you have achieved an ultimate brand you are you are there, right? If you only have one or the other, you got work to do. That's one hot take. Two, um, in terms of social, I am anti-niche. I think that you should have something that you're known for, but I don't think you should stay there. If you are a chef and you're incredible at that and make people know you for that, I think we are out of the pandemic but we didn't go back to a world we used to be in. We're in something brand new. And I think the brand new world, I think people want to know that you're a person as well and not in the way during the pandemic, right? Where it was like very like follow every single thing I do every day. But I think people want to know that you are a full person, that you are multidimensional, that you aren't just this one thing because that's pretty boring. Um, And so I think I'm encouraging brands and people to not just to lean into other areas as well. Even if you're like a B2B brand, right? Like, okay, we have this one thing we do, but how else? Like, what are our kind of side niches? And have this concept of like, you have the main dish, but who goes to a restaurant and just eats a steak? No, there's mashed potatoes. Maybe you got some broccolini, right? Like you want to have a full, there's a cocktail there. Like you need a full plate, a full spread, um, I think on social. And again, it's not to pull yourself a million places, but don't be afraid to operate outside of this one niche. It will make your brand full, you know, cohesive. Um, and I think it's something that people will come and stay to. It also broadens your audience a bit because someone might find you for a side dish and stay for the main. Like it's it's a thing. So that, those are my two, I think, rapid hot takes at the moment. 